You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Spring training is approaching, of course, but we still have a couple of weeks left in the offseason. And we're going to fill some time today talking about the Arizona Diamondbacks with Steve Gilbert. I'm Allison Sutter. Steve, um, okay, it was the Hall of Fame announcement this week, and Kurt Schilling was not elected, as we all know. And he is a, as we say, polarizing figure. We say polarizing because it's a really nice word for somebody who uh, makes people really, really mad. <laughs> so that's not what I want to talk about. But, yes, Kurt Schilling is a polarizing figure. And it's fascinating to me because I have never, like, been completely convinced that just merits alone, performance, his actual pitching career, I've never been, like, fully convinced that he is a Hall of Famer. There's a lot of more seamhead-type writers more analytically-minded writers that um, pay more attention to all of the analytics and all the stats that have all the funny names. And they are convinced that he is completely a Hall of Famer. You covered him. He is, you know, he won a World Series with the Diamondbacks. What is your opinion on that? Is he a Hall of Famer? You know, Allison, I think he's really, not to skirt the question, but I think he's really a borderline case. I don't think it's, I don't think it's overwhelming in either direction. And so I think, you know, because of that fact, um, it gets kind of, you know, uh, even more magnified when he makes some controversial statements or, or there's the, the thought that people are holding some of his uh, comments or tweets or retweets um, against him when it comes to the voting, and that's why he's not getting in. I'm not sure that that's the reason why he's not getting in. I think, you know, that he is a borderline candidate. With, and, and as we've seen, even some guys that we think are not borderline candidates don't get into the Hall of Fame. And it isn't because of, of, of what they've tweeted. So it, it, it's a complicated issue. I, I think he's borderline. I don't think it's a no-brainer in either, either way. And so um, probably doesn't help him some of the controversial statements that he's made. I, I'd like to think that, that most of the voters you know, will, will judge him based on what he did on the field. I can tell you that watching him in Arizona, I mean, in 2001, 2002, he was uh, amazing for the Diamondbacks. And, and he and Randy Johnson at the top of that pitching rotation I you know it's hard to think of um, better one-two punch outside of maybe Koufax or Drysdale and just the way they dominated and getting to watch them every fifth day it was almost like a competition between the two of them you know Randy would go out and strike out you know 15 so then Kurt would go out the next game and strike out 16 and it was um, it was really a fun thing to watch and, and you didn't really realize you know what was happening just how unique it was. So I guess it, it's it, it, a lot of this is stemming from his postseason um, successes. So I get that part, and and that seems to be carrying a lot of weight with a lot of voters. And the more that the win is diminished, and the meaning of the win is diminished, so that kind of goes away. So the 300 wins really isn't like a benchmark anymore, or something that you have to absolutely get to in order to get in the Hall of Fame. It's, but I think that that's still what what does he have, like 216 wins or something? I mean, I think that's still what some people are bothered by. And I get that he was so dominant in so many postseasons, and maybe that is enough. But then was he dominant enough for every regular season of every year of his career to merit going to the Hall of Fame? I just think, like, well, what about the position players who were in the top ten in OPS and slugging, like, every year the entire time that they played, but they didn't do it long enough? And I'm wondering – you know, did and I think I think Kurt, you know, I think Kurt was was somewhat hurt by Randy's seasons that Randy had because, um, you know, in, in 01 and and 02, uh, he finished second to Randy in the in the NL Cy Young voting, and in any other year, 
Um, without Randy there, he certainly um, would have won the award. He had just, uh, you know, amazing numbers in those two years. And, and he, he, he had put up some good numbers in Philadelphia, and he put up some, some good numbers with the Red Sox. Um, but, I, I, you know, I think it's fair to, to wonder, um, did he do it enough? Uh, was he dominant enough year in and year out? Uh, to be a Hall of Famer, it's certainly an open question. And um, but his postseason uh, definitely gets a lot of credit for that as well. He should um, co MVP of the 2001 World Series with Randy Johnson, um, and of course what he did in 2004 pitching with uh, with the uh, injured Achilles. Um, again, that that that's amazing. And, and he certainly was a guy that that was a big game pitcher and a guy that you would want out there in big games. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um... I don't know. I, I mean, I know it's hard for the writers, and he is an, an infuriating person. He has turned into a uh, a character of himself in his retirement years. Um, it's interesting, though, because you have to wonder, like, and I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm not asking you to speak on this, but I'm going to speak on it. But, I mean, so he's the first, like, really villain um, of social media. Like, I, I have no idea, like, how some of the players from yesteryear who were also not friends of the media – may have behaved in today's day and age. It certainly has a, a like a platform and a mouthpiece that, you know, the players didn't have from 20 years ago. He steps all over himself every time. Um, and so, you know, a lot of this is just, you know, brought on himself. But you have to wonder, like, will we see more of this? Are more guys going to tweet their way out of Hall of Fame contention? <laughs> because um, that's like a part of what things are now. Like, what would Eddie Murray have done, you know, or – you know, some other like Jim Palmer wasn't he like a guy that just hated the media? I mean, you wonder if they had that platform, would they sort of be looked upon maybe the way Schilling is? Is that that's probably not fair to say, but I just said it. So what do you think? It's, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's an interesting question, and, and you know what, how would Steve Carlton have have handled things back when he wasn't speaking to the media? Would he speak through his uh, through Facebook Live, or would he or would he tweet? Um, and I think it's it's. It's an interesting question and something that I think, uh, you know, that as we get here in the next decade, we'll, we'll find out more as guys become uh, eligible who who played in a Twitter Twitter era, um, so to speak. It's uh, it, there's always something interesting when it comes to Hall of Fame, whether it's performance enhancing drugs, character issues, uh, controversial statements. You know, what stats are now important. There always seems to be something to talk about, which I guess uh, is probably a good thing overall for baseball. Yeah, it just makes me laugh too how grumpy he gets when people pick on him because, and this is the last thing I'm going to say on this, but just when Trevor Bauer and he had that whole like bloody finger thing in the playoffs last year and everybody started tweeting Kurt Schilling and he was getting so mad and screaming at people to stop tweeting at him and I'm like, dude, you deserve every bit of this because uh, well, you kind of asked for he, it. So He had a rough day the other day too because not only did he lose support in, in the voting for the Hall of Fame, he ended up in a Twitter back and forth with uh, – what appeared to be a fake Sidney Ponson account. So uh, he got into a war of words with somebody who, at least according to the, the actual page, is not Sidney Ponson. So there you have it. That's uh, that's the way Kurt Schilling spent his uh, Hall of Fame election day. Oh, my God. Yeah, fortunately, um, an overabundance of brain cells is not uh, a requirement to be a all-star pitcher. So we'll move on to – Something totally different, which would be fantasy camp, the Diamondbacks fantasy camp. I look forward to it every year, not because I attend it or uh, pay any attention to it whatsoever, but because you participate in it, and we sometimes hear about it. You sometimes post pictures. Did you participate in it again, and are you still able to be 
as uh, spry and energetic as you were your first fantasy camp? Well, Allison, the, to the, the yes to the first question, and, and after 12 years, no to the second. Um, <laughs> they keep asking me to do it, and there's there's a lot of good stories that, that, that always come out of that week. I always enjoy that week because there's uh, a story the other day about a, a colonel in the Air Force who has come to uh, nine of these camps now, and he's come from Italy, you know, being stationed in Italy and Germany and um, Hawaii, and, and he was really upset that he had to miss two camps because he was uh, stationed in Afghanistan on active duty during the time. So there's always things that, that, that come about. I always uh, – the most populated place at, at fantasy camp after the first couple of days is, is usually the trainer's room. Um, it kind of looks, I always like to say, like the, the Department of Motor Vehicles where you got to walk in and take a number um, and have a seat and wait your turn because it's so busy. Um, it's it's a lot of fun though. It, it it it's becoming harder and harder the older I get. I, I keep trying to convince them that I can just come out and do stories and don't actually need to participate in the camp itself. Well, what, who was that eighty-five-year-old guy that was still playing a few years ago that rushed the mound? Yeah, and that, you know, there's 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 stories of these guys, and I we had a seventy-nine-year-old guy this year that that never spent a minute in the trainer's room, and you look at him <laughs> and you look at yourself, and it's uh, it's. It's pretty depressing when you think about it, but um, <laughs> these guys that love baseball always reminds me, you know, the fans, how much fans love baseball because sometimes we get jaded when we're around it every day, and uh, it's always kind of a good thing right before spring training to, to get reminded of how important the game is um, in, in the lives of, of the fans out there. Absolutely. Okay, always fun to talk to you, Steve. I appreciate your time. We'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good, Allison. Thanks a lot. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.